Hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and March is Women's History Month, and yesterday, Monday, March 8th, was International Women's Day. And so I thought, why not put an episode together that's a celebration, really, and an opportunity to reflect on some of the most powerful and empowering moments that have been heard on the podcast over the last year. So today you're going to hear moments from eight incredible women who have joined me on the podcast. And so I'm so excited to share today's episode with you and these incredible women. Before we dive in to today's new episode, I've got some really big news to share. And if you caught yesterday's announcement, you already know what's going on. But if not, I am so excited to share with you that I am hosting our inaugural Seek the Joy Summit on Saturday, April 10th. We are bringing together people from all around the world to connect, inspire, and grow at the 2021 Seek the Joy Summit. This one-day virtual retreat will be filled with empowering conversations and sessions on mindfulness, finding our joy and choosing positivity, stepping into our authentic voice and the importance of sharing our story. There will be so many wonderful opportunities for connection and so much more. To learn more and register for the summit, which is completely free, by the way, hit the link in our show notes or go to seekthejoypodcast.com slash seekthejoysummit. But hold on a second. I'm not done. There's more. When you register for the summit, you are automatically entered into our grand prize giveaway featuring prizes from some of our favorite brands that you know and love from Seek the Joy podcast like Yoga Wake Up, Mind Travel, Your Joyologist, Primally Pure, The I Am Journal, Mining for Soul, Bella DeLuna. The list goes on and on. I am honestly so excited about the summit and the giveaway. And I'm so grateful to our supporters who are donating for the giveaway and our speakers who are lending their wisdom and their heart and their time to be part of the summit. It is going to be so good. It is going to be so much fun. And I cannot wait to see you there. So the link to register for free is in the show notes for today's episode or head on over to seekthejoypodcast.com slash seekthejoysummit to learn more and register today. Switching gears for a quick second because it is no secret that the last year has been stressful and many of us are feeling anxious or tense, finding it difficult to sleep. I know I can put myself in that category. And so that's why I'm really excited to share with you today's sponsor, Arrive Market, a new online CBD marketplace. Arrive was created by a team of CBD enthusiasts when they couldn't find a good way to discover quality and trustworthy CBD products. So they created a marketplace that does the legwork for you. All of the products on Arrive Market are handpicked and tested by the team and have passed full panel lab tests that ensure high quality, clean ingredients, and truthful CBD labeling. Whether you're hearing about CBD for the first time and looking for more information or you already include CBD in your wellness ritual and want to discover new products, Arrive is an educational and approachable place to learn and shop all things CBD. 
There are so many things that I'm loving right now about Arrive Market, but at the top of the list definitely has to be the variety of women-owned brands to support. You can shop by form, brand, or purpose like stress relief or sleep to find CBD products that fit into your personal routine and lifestyle. As Arrive Market shares, dealing with stress is hard enough, but finding reliable CBD products shouldn't be. Head to arrive.market, yes, that's arrive.market, to see for yourself and save $10 off your first order of $50 or more with the code SEEKTHEJOY. All of this information will also be included in our show notes. Thank you, Arrive Market, for sponsoring today's episode. And as a note, please consult your healthcare professional before you introduce any new supplement into your routine. All right, let's dive into today's new episode, a celebration for International Women's Day. Lauren Martin joined me on the podcast in January to share about her new book, The Book of Moods, and her platform, Words of Women. And my conversation with Lauren really reminded me of the power of remembering that you are not alone in what you experience. There is wisdom in your experience. And when we spend time reflecting on lessons from the women in our lives, their failures, strengths, and stories, we're able to learn and grow in a profound way and there's really a way through any obstacle. I'm trying to express that these feelings that we have, these other amazing, incredible women also feel the same way. And that's also the crux of the book, like knowing that you are not alone in feeling maybe lost, maybe feeling insecure, knowing that, you know, you're not alone in these, because you can feel very isolated by your feelings. You can feel like only one who feels this way. And I, that was the point. Like these women were helping me when I would read like, um, you know, Isabella Rossellini also felt like insecure. And when I would read like these amazing women, like Ariana Huffington also like couldn't sleep at night, like that made me feel better. And I, and I just wanted to share that with other women. And I think that's why it kind of grew and grew so organically was because I wasn't trying to be like, it wasn't women empowerment. That wasn't like the goal. It was more like, I feel this way. Do you guys feel this way too? And in a way it is empowerment to, to build a community and to know that you're not alone, but it kind of, that's not how I looked at it back then. Mm -hmm. I just looked at it as like, there's so many women out there who probably feel how we feel and we can learn from them. And we can also feel better knowing they felt the same way. And I also love their wisdom. And there's a lot of older women I feature on the account, like, you know, Dame Judy Dench. And, you know, she talks about the things that she wished she hadn't stressed about when she was younger. And I think women really resonate with that. And, and it does change us. And another thing was just, I wanted women to see something else when they were scrolling on Instagram, because mm-hmm. that's definitely a trigger for me. But when you're seeing like, Oh, like hot girl at the beach, like hot girl, my best friend <laughs> make out without me with some other girl, like you start to feel like, Oh, great, this feels terrible. And then you come across like a quote that has nothing to do with beauty, that has nothing to do with anything you think you have to be thinking about. It's something that kind of reframes your thinking. And it might be about, you know, success. It might just be about, you know, how to love better. It might be about, um, how to be a better, you know, person, how to be a better daughter. And all of a sudden, like those superficial things that you were stressed about take kind of a a backseat. And I thought, 
you know, if women see this enough, maybe it'll start changing the way that we care, like we think about things and mm-hmm. our priorities. Mm-hmm. The way we think about ourselves, the way we think about the world, the way we think about our, our place in the world and in our individual communities. I think it's really powerful because it goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this conversation, that there's really a lot of wisdom within our experiences, our moods, our emotions. And if we can choose, I think, to harness that wisdom and hold on to it and, and be reflective and introspective and take a moment um, to really to really think on it, I think it's so much it's so powerful and it's life-changing because I think the instinct is to push these emotions away or to push these difficult feelings away. But what you've chosen to do is to harness it, to pull it together and to share it, um, to not only show people that they're not alone, which is something that you and I share in common. And that's definitely an, um, a mission and an impact of the podcast as well. But in addition to showing people that they're not alone, but also show them that, hey, there's a way through this. There's a way to express it and, and learn from it and, and move through it. And I think I think it's really powerful. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And yeah. the book is filled with a lot of stuff that I, you know, I learned on my way and from Instagram and like a lot of stories about women that I think it's weird. You'll hear a story about like, you know, we think we understand people. Like you'll hear a story about Elizabeth Taylor and her like $7 million ring. But I tell like the true story of that ring and why she got that ring. And so it kind of, even though it's just a story about Elizabeth Taylor, what I hope is that it changes your perception of how you view people and how like you never really know the full story. So it's like in using these women's stories, I'm trying to get you to see a different way of thinking. Ardry Ori, social activist, entrepreneur, publisher, philanthropist, and author, Join me on the podcast in October 2020 for a conversation on the power of storytelling to shape culture and shift the narrative about race. In our conversation, Ardry reminded me that we must allow ourselves to evolve. How beautiful is that? And that through knowing ourselves and accepting ourselves, we're able to move forward and take action. Our conversation honestly left such an incredible impression on me. And Audrey's advice in this next clip will remind you to move through life at your pace. The number one thing that I've learned and I'm, I work to maintain is that you have to do whatever it takes to be okay with the person you see in the mirror. Mm. And so that means making decisions that might not always feel good, but making sure that you can always wake up and live with yourself. So, you know, doing what is right by others, um, working hard towards whatever it is that you desire to manifest. And, you know, taking action is the other thing. I think that a lot of times we wish for things, but we don't necessarily want to do the work for them. And if it's something that we want, if it's a desire of our heart, if it's something that's been implanted in our soul, it will be challenging. And that's the thing, you know, you figure, well, if I've been given this amazing idea, why must I climb a mountain to get there? Mm. But it's because of the view, you know, that you will see. And it's because of the story of the journey in getting there, you know, to the top of the mountain to look out. And so um, there is always a reason and a rationale behind things, but most importantly, just to to make decisions that will, will make me okay with who I am when I wake up every single morning. 
that I've you know done the best that I can for and by others. Yeah, it's a level of acceptance, but also I think grace with yourself. And I think during such a difficult time, during such a difficult year, I think a lot of us, at least I, that's what I've noticed through these conversations, have put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do more or be more or see more. And I think what you just shared is so beautiful and so powerful. It's about knowing who you are accepting, you know, who you are and and what it is that you can do in any given moment. And also knowing when it's time to take it to the next level and take action or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, create a plan to to make those steps to get to where you want to be. I think that's such good advice because sometimes we wait in limbo, you know, Mm -hmm. and we expect the next step to maybe come to us, but sometimes you really just, you got to put one foot in front of the other and, and see where it'll take you. You must. And I think that the way in which you walk is important. You know, you don't have to run. You can literally walk to Mm -hmm. wherever it is that you desire to go because it's already been ordered. You know, your steps have already been ordered and it is really just about you exerting the effort to take the steps. But we don't, you know, there's no race to the finish line. There's no racing against another person. Everything that we do in our lives is really about realizing it's the character arc is what I love to say. You know, Mm -hmm. the character must evolve. You will not stay the same, nor should you aspire to do so. You will continue to take steps and to grow and to uh, move into new spaces. And in doing that, you're going to find your faults. Those are going to be revealed. You're going to find the things that you're most proud of about yourself. Um, You're going to, to come against challenges, but all of those are part of what should be happening in your life and, you know, bumping you in the right direction. So it's all truly a blessing. Mm -hmm. I love what you said that it, it matters the way you walk. You can, you don't have to run. You don't have to sprint. It doesn't have to be a marathon. I think Mm -hmm. we feel a lot of pressure to like get to the next or make the next thing happen. So what you just shared, I think, I think is so powerful. I wrote it down and I, I can't wait for people to hear, hear this part of the episode. I've learned throughout the years that part of allowing yourself to evolve for that character arc to take place, like Audrey just spoke about, means that you have to believe in you. Dana Max Pomerantz, the founder of the Be Happy Project, joined me on the podcast in November 2020 to chat about living life on our terms and how we can do that by quieting the inner critic. As Dana Mack shares, we all have a negative voice that lives inside of our heads, but if we can get it to quiet down, the more that we can do that, the more we start to believe in ourselves and trust our worthiness and ultimately take our power back. You know, we all have this negative voice in our head that likes Mm -hmm. to bring us down and keep us down. And, you know, this really goes to identity, self-love, plan B, everything. And I think a huge part of the self-work is getting that voice to quiet down so it's not so mentally overpowering and um, we take our power back. And so, you know, I've learned anytime I hear that voice come in, I just, I tell it to stop. I literally Mm -hmm. walk away. I do not give it the space, the time, the platform, anything. Um, because whether it's our negative inner critic or, you know, critics in our lives, it could be family members, it could be friends, it could be a boss, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. there's always going to be a voice that tells you or tries to tell you that you're not good enough. And so we have to learn how to shut out the noise and know that we are worthy and good enough, no matter what anybody says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought up the inner critic because yeah, that voice will stop you from 
chasing after your dreams from believing you have a plan B, that you have another dream that you can go after, that you're worthy of it. And so getting it to quiet down, I mean, at least at the beginning for me, I remember it was like a full-time job because it just sneaks in, you know, it sneaks in when you least expect it. You could be, you know, taking a walk or working on something that you've done a million times and that voice creeps in and you start to doubt yourself. And, um, I love that you said you really have to take your power back because that voice can start to define you or you can allow it to define you. Mm -hmm. And I I love just what you said about taking your power back. And it sounds like you had to do that at different, you know, points in your life too. And, and really decide for yourself, like, no, this is who I am. Not what that voice says, not with, you know, not having that business anymore would say to somebody else, like, I actually know who I am. And I think that's really powerful too. I Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I think it takes, you know, sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to learn who you are and reclaim yourself and your mm-hmm. life. And that's okay too. And I think, you know, your dream, it could be a piece of you, a part of you, but it doesn't have to be all of you. And I learned that as well. Um, and the negative voice, yeah, I mean, like you said, it used to, pop in my head all the time unexpectedly. It was just constant noise in my head telling me I wasn't good enough or why didn't I do this better or whatever it is. And so I'm now in a place just because of all the work that I've done, I don't even have a negative voice. I really mm-hmm. don't. Um, mm-hmm. Because the second in my, like it will be once in a blue moon, I'll have my negative voice pop up. I do not let it hang out with me. Like that mm-hmm. is a toxic person. Nobody uh-uh. has time for that. Absolutely not. No, exactly. <laughs> and it goes back to what you said, creating healthy boundaries with yourself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the more you can let go and not listen and not give your negative voice, like any sort of platform, the more peaceful and content of a life you'll have. And you'll be able to like, you know, if somebody rejects you or, um, you don't do as well on a test or you miss an opportunity or your kid is having a mental breakdown, you're not going to take any of those things as personally, and you're not going to let it stress you out as much because Mm -hmm. you can just take a deep breath and come back to it. You can figure it out. Um, you just, your whole perspective on these negative situations just changes. Kelly Rutherford joined me on the podcast in August 2020, and it was such a beautiful conversation on shifting our perspective towards joy and seeing the good and giving ourselves grace in this next clip. Kelly shares how she's learned to trust more and allow and how she's really learned from the contrast. I'm curious, as you have gone on your own journey and your own path, Mm -hmm. both um, with acting and spirituality and with your family and everything else that sort of, you know, rests in between, how have you learned to to trust more, to Mm -hmm. sort of allow more? Well, it's my belief that that's our natural state. Our natural state is allowing. Mm-hmm. allowing instead of resisting, forcing, making it happen, right? So not that we don't take action. It's just that the action, the intention behind the action and the energy behind the action is different when you're allowing yourself to be, allow yourself to um, connect up with what's true for you. And um, I just found that like trying to make things, trying to make things happen or force things to happen or when, when really challenging things were happening, if I was really in hardcore resistance to it, there were no good positive, there were no outcomes that were good. So Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, this isn't working. It was sort of trial and error, I suppose. So in letting go, which became the only option at some point you just go, okay, I can't figure this out. Nothing I'm doing is working. 
And so you just let it go. Mm -hmm. And in the letting go of the stress of it, the worry of it, the whatever, you get quiet and you allow the answers to come and you allow things, you allow the situation space uh, for, you know, whatever you want to call it, divine intervention for the energy to, to alchemize so that because when we're in resistance or we're in lack, the energy can't show up. It just, it's not, it, again, it's like it's quantum physics things just doesn't mm -hmm. work. So in that space, you learn to trust. You learn to say, okay, the more I get quiet, breathe, allow this situation, you know, and you're almost better just putting light around the situation and saying, you know, for the highest good of all, you know, I'd like a resolution or an improvement or a, blessing here or a, you know, uh, bless us all in this mm -hmm. situation that we may all see what the, for the highest good, what's best, or, you know, there's, it's a different energy going into something. And so you kind of get a different result mm -hmm. versus the, the coming from anger or this is my way and it's the only way or yeah. trying to control a situation or control a person. And we've all seen that doesn't, it, I mean, without history, it just doesn't work. I mean, it may work for a time, but the result is usually not very good. Mm -hmm. The outcome is not good for anyone involved. So you just, you know, you feel your way into things and you learn to trust. It's a learning process. You know, it's a learning to get quiet learning to just let things go and allow and ask because in allowing you're saying it's okay. I'm allowing my life to improve. Mm -hmm. I'm allowing the situation to improve and I'm asking for an improvement around this or that or the other, mm -hmm. you know, how often do we get quiet and ask, <laughs> just get quiet and, you know, just say, please show me the way I'm asking for a very clear guide here or a very clear answer to what a way of being or how to do this. So it, it's over time. And I think it comes from, we've, we've done the other thing. We've tried to force things and we resist things. We've tried to control things. We've, we've watched it happen. We're seeing it happen now. And it's like, that, we know this doesn't work. Why are we still doing this? Mm -hmm. Like there's another way. There's another yeah. way. Yeah. And the other way is so much more beautiful and full of joy and allowing and just people being who they are and mm -hmm. at their own mm -hmm. pace. Yeah. I think what has helped me too, is to remember that anger hurts me probably more than it hurts the person that I'm angry with. And being frustrated hurts me more than it hurts the person I'm frustrated with. And when I catch myself in that moment, I remind myself, it's like in that sense, I can shift it. I can, I can change the way I'm approaching or the way I'm speaking. But you're right. It comes through trial and error and, and doing it one way and realizing this is actually not working for me. I'm going to try something else instead. <laughs> cappuccino agrees i was gonna say i feel like um i feel like that's a confirmation like she's like you're right you're right keep going but i think that's it is a process of trial and error and learning to trust i think comes from moments where you didn't trust and kind of putting your hands up and surrendering and saying okay let's see how this yeah. goes we learn from the contrast right mm -hmm. we learn from okay, that didn't work. That didn't feel good. So I'm going to go over here. What, what will, you know, what does, so that's, you know, we're born into, you know, contrast mm -hmm. and that contrast, I, I suppose, is there to say what our, for us to figure out what our preferences are and be a guiding system. 
of sorts. I sat down with Kristen Brandt, the co-founder of She's the First in November 2020, and we had a really phenomenal conversation about impact and how we can create a plan for meaningful change. As Kristen shares, when you're beginning your impact journey, it's all about finding your North Star. We really, really strongly recommend that you find your North Star, meaning when you think about the world that you want to see, the changes that you want to see in the world to make it a better place, what are those changes? What is driving you to create impact? So for me, when I think about my North Star, you know, I grew up in um, in a home surrounded by incredibly strong, wonderful women and men who were not so great. And, you know, I experienced emotional abuse and, and all of these things. And so for me, when I think about what change do I want to see in the world? My North Star is a world where women are safe and loved and mm-hmm. girls are safe and loved. And what having that North Star does for me is it means that whenever I think about creating an impact, whether I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm just not sure where to start, I can go back to that North Star and use that as a way to guide my actions and guide my steps. I know then the kinds of organizations that I would want to partner up with. I know the kinds of events that I would want to go to or the kinds of movements that I want to donate to because everything I do, I want it to ladder up to that North Star. And it gives you a little bit of permission to say no to the things that don't line up with your North Star. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's only so much money and time and energy and, and resources that you have to give. And it gives you kind of that, that focus to say, okay, I'm going to put you know, 85% of my impact energy into this North Star, this thing that is really personal to me, this thing that I really, really want to see change in the world. And the other 15%, I'm going to leave for things like issues that intersect with mine, issues that are really important to my friends or to my community, things that I want to make sure I've got some space to put some either money or volunteer time behind. But I don't have to say yes to everything all the time. Because I know that there is one part of the world that I am consistently working to make better. And if we all do that, if we all kind of do our part toward making the world better in the ways that are most meaningful to us, then we're going to arrive at a world that that actually is better all around. And you can give yourself the grace to focus on the things that matter most to you. I love this concept of your North Star because it sounds like your North Star can be a combination of what you're passionate about, but maybe also something that is an issue or a cause that's very personal to you. And I think that element Mm -hmm. of it being personal to you, I think is really important because you need this momentum or the fuel or the desire to keep going. And you can have that too with a cause that's not super personal to you. And I think that's important as well. But having this maybe attachment, have you found that it's helped to to keep going, to keep finding the tools or the resources or or the energy to sort of stick with it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's actually really important, you know, to think about your North Star as something that you can relate to. Mm. So it might not necessarily be something that you experience trauma around. It might be something you have a really positive experience around. You know, education for me was incredibly transformative. It was, you know, school is a place I could go and I could be my full self all the time, no matter what. And going to college changed my life. So, 
you know, education is a big kind of theme in my life as well. And it, it ladders up to this idea of women being safe. I think, you know, equality is a big, is a big part of that as well. And Mm -hmm. so you can think about not just the things that have impacted you negatively, but the things that have impacted you positively. What do you want to spread out into the world because it really benefited you? Speaking of making change in the world and making it a better place, I sat down with Akia Red, mental health advocate and author of Be Free, Be You, and founder of Real Girls Fart in July 2020. And our conversation really was focused on how we can make mental health into an everyday conversation. Akia really uses her life experience and mental health journey to help women find their voice and let it out. In this next clip, Akia shares how we can begin removing stigma around mental health, the important role of education in making the kind of change we want to see in the world, both when it comes to mental health, but also racial inequality. Education, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful weapons that we can wield in the correct way and use it to, you know, reverse stigma or eradicate stigma, you know, where we are right now in in the country, right? With all of the racial inequality and all of that education, that's a huge part of it. Same with mental health, because in many ways, the mental health stigma and then the racial stuff, it's very, you know, it's very, they have that that thing in common where nobody wants to really talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so you are taught to fear what you don't understand. So if we can, you know, understand as much as we can, the brain, understand what these disorders are, these illnesses are, talk to people who actually go through it so that you can learn to walk in their shoes, even though you may not have that diagnosis, but you can try to understand where they're coming from and then have conversations openly about it. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those things combined will help people feel empowered to talk more about it. And then the more people are talking about it, that demand for community support increases, right? And yeah. then there's a demand that then goes to the healthcare. So it just, it starts really with these types of conversations and then it grows from there. Knowledge is power in that way. And it does yeah. come down to education, I think, for so much. What you said is so powerful. You're taught to fear what you don't understand. And so I think maybe for so many of us, the first step is that level of awareness, maybe to yeah. even know that you have that sense of fear or that, um, that confusion, or you're just, you just don't know because you haven't been taught. And then it's that willingness to step forward and, and do that work and immerse yourself in, in that process of education. I love what you shared. I think, like you said, it can be applied to everything. Yes. All across the board. I know when I first received the diagnosis, um, of generalized anxiety, Because the depression and the eating disorder stuff kind of came a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, honestly, anybody who is dual diagnosed or anything like that, it's like an onion, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, because it's, it's, that's just how complex and amazing the human psyche is. But that understanding and education, all of that, it, it does, it works all across the board. Because I think that when I first was diagnosed, I decided I'm going to learn every single thing I can Mm -hmm. about generalized anxiety disorder. I'm going to know modes of, or methods of treatment. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to learn like 
what is within that diagnosis. I'm going to try to talk to people or, you know, read things where other people are having these conversations. I want to hear what the psychiatrists are saying, the psychologists are saying. I mean, I just absorbed my, I put, I just absorbed all of this information. I was a sponge because I'm not going to walk around with a diagnosis and not know what the heck it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you'll fear it. If you don't understand when that anxiety comes over you again, and it will, you will start to be scared mm-hmm. of those feelings. So I feel like I am equipped now when I have an attack, if I do that, okay, I know what this is. I see you. I'm just going to sit here because I understand mm-hmm. and I'm at it. Yeah. Liliana Barzola, renowned spiritual intuitive energy healer and the founder of Lotus Lantern Healing Arts, joined me on the podcast in October 2020 for a conversation on energy healing, past lives, and transforming fear and trauma. In this next clip, I asked Liliana how we can begin to strengthen our energy field. You are going to love her perspective and what she shared, and she touches on everything from acceptance, patience with self, to how we can really navigate loss through that. Her perspective really goes beyond what you'd maybe normally hear in these spiritual spaces. Well, first off, really being kind to yourself, that internal positive self-talk, because Mm -hmm. it is a really crazy time that we're living in. And there is an incredible amount of oppression that we feel and we experience. And so like acknowledging those things, acknowledging that those things are real is a great way to get started. It's like, this really is happening to me. It really is hard because you begin to validate. And some people get worried like, oh gosh, you know, I shouldn't like validate my victimhood and all this stuff. But it's like, no, actually it kind of helps you blow off a lot of steam and just really feel like you're seeing yourself, even if no one else can. Mm -hmm. That isolation feeling just beyond COVID, it's real. We feel separate. We feel like no one else understands what I'm doing, how hard I'm working. You know, you just pick two people in a relationship and I can get them going. And it's like, well, you do this and I do that. And I do all this for, (laughs) you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're married, if you're alone in your house, whatever it is. So that ability to see yourself, to say hello to yourself, to acknowledge, like, ain't nobody going to say like, high five, you, you work today. You saw a bunch of people today. You, you, you cleaned your dishes. But if you can begin to say that to yourself, it's the beginning of energy running. So energy running is like the energy moves through the body. You don't close the channel. You don't close it down and contract. You expand and let the energy move through you. So that's that acknowledgement of your strife, your struggle, no matter who you are, pain is pain. And then from there, it begins to lighten. And that's essentially a meditation is that acknowledgement of this pain is real. I'm going to breathe into that. And that presence, that ability to look and see the pain transforms it. It can't hang out anymore. It has to move. Mm -hmm. Now, someone who's had a loss, let's say someone they love has died. That's different, right? Because you have the pictures of the person and all of the things, and you have to kind of hang out in that loss but you're going to come up for air, get a little bit stronger, go back and down into that loss. And it's all those gradients, all that back and forth energy. It almost sounds like it's a process of acceptance because I think sometimes yeah. we we expect to get to the destination or we, get, we expect to get to where we want to be right away. And so it sounds like what you're saying is 
if we can accept the highs and lows and move through them and move through those days where, you know, it is more difficult or we are experiencing loss or, um, for whatever reason, it's just a harder day. And then also move through those moments where it's more joyful, um, and maybe more celebratory and you had a good day and you're sort of embracing it, but kind of moving through that journey of those highs and lows and those ups and downs and kind of like putting your arms around it for yourself. Um, and knowing that that's part of it, um, kind of the acceptance almost of, of the in-between, you know, of, of where you are and where you want to be and, and where, you, where you've been. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly what it is. In January 2021, I sat down with Leah Dean, tribe building expert and the author of Assemble the Tribe, for a conversation about why we need our people, our communities now more than ever. As Leah shares, there's really a beautiful connection between knowing our value and belonging. And when we start to do the work to nurture ourselves and nurture our relationships, we're able to show up in the world as our most authentic selves. Through your work and your research in the book, why, why do we need our tribes now more, more than ever? So there are three reasons that I've identified. I mean, little did I know when I started to write this book that it would be done, finished and releasing in the middle of a pandemic. Talk and about so timing. Why, like, you know, talk, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fortuitous that way. And so one of the things that, there are three things for me primarily. One is our relationship. Because of the pandemic, we've been forced inside. Um, we've been pulled apart. And, you know, whether you are recovering from the pandemic, you've lost a loved one, you know, there have been a lot of natural disasters around the world. There is a lot of support that we need in order to heal. Um, and, and I think our relationships are going to be a big part of that. You know, the research and the science, when, when you start to get into the health benefits of why you need relationships, we absolutely have to have them. And so for every woman or any, any guest that you have who's listening to this episode, that's the one thing about the book that I really want everyone to take on board. Relationships are not optional. You need people and they need you to survive. Mm. You know, babies will fail to thrive. You can reduce your risk of mortality. These are the real health impacts of our relationship. So that's reason number one. Reason number two is that we, you know, as women, many of us have experienced rejection. You know, I did my own research study with over 1,200 women. So, you know, 60 plus percent of women have been part of a group. 71% have experienced rejection, 50% under the age of 18, 25% under the age of 13. And so, you know, we've, as women, we've experienced some pretty harsh rejection for many of us at a moment when we were developing and going through puberty and our brains were, mm-hmm. right, at, which was a very vulnerable time. And so how do we reconcile that? How do we rebuild trust? And then when you look in the world and, you know, one of the more sinister forms of rejection that the world has been wrestling with this year around um, Black Lives Matter, like there is just so much that that really is forcing us, I think, and pulling us to reassess how we think about our our relationships. And then the last reason why I think this conversation is so important, Assemble the Tribe, the topic is not gender specific, but I wrote this book for women. And the world, whether we like it or not, has a unique reliance on us as women. Mm -hmm. I, I like to caveat it. It's not better, but it is different. 
When you are a mother and you have the responsibility for nurturing, that is different. And, you know, I think the pandemic, you can look at the research in the news reports about the disproportionate impact that the virus is having on working women. I think we need to come together and support each other like never before. Thank you to these eight incredible women for joining me on the podcast this year for your willingness to be vulnerable and share about your work and your journeys. And thank you to everyone who has come on the podcast. And thank you to you for listening and for tuning in. As always, join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. If you're on Spotify, hit follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe. And don't forget to check out Seek the Joy Summit. It is our one-day virtual retreat live on Zoom. I am so excited that I can finally share with you what it is that I have been working on. The link to register for free is in the show notes. All right, guys, that is it. Happy International Women's Day, Women's History Month. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.